Good morning. Hello. Welcome to the live stream. I'm so excited you're here. Happy Thursday. Uh, man, what a what a fun topic for today. And by fun, I mean doing this research got me a little riled up, if I'm being honest. There might be some yelling. Not to alarm you, but there might be a rant in today's live stream. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I keep forgetting to use this one, but I'd say this entire day, the topic of this entire day. Yikes. Yikes. You know what I mean? Let's just jump into it, okay? We all know why you're here. We're going to talk Taylor Swift. And, like, let me just preface this by saying, normally I couldn't give two fucks about Taylor Swift. Sorry. I know if you're a big fan, you're not going to like me for saying that. But I think that's an homage to how important this issue is. That I, as someone who actively changes the radio when a Taylor Swift song comes on, am interested in this topic and I think it's important. I think it's important. And uh, I don't think Taylor Swift fans deserved what happened to them this week. And I think that this is something that the government should step in on. Yeah, I said it. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's just jump into it, huh? So in case you missed it, Taylor Swift fans were amok, hot and bothered, bewildered, befuddled on Tuesday, trying to get pre-sale tickets for her Eras tour, which is her first tour since 2018, because COVID. So like, there's been a lot of hype, a lot of buildup for the Swifties, okay? So apparently what happened is that Ticketmaster handed out pre-sale codes so that People could come, could log in early on Tuesday ahead of when they were supposed to go on sale and get tickets. And this is a way that Ticketmaster has devised to try to avoid resellers getting their hands on tickets and then selling them, marking up the price and selling them elsewhere. Um, and it's also to try to help quell the 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 waves of fans trying to all buy tickets at once um as we all saw it doesn't fucking work it doesn't fucking work i don't know how many of these pre-sale codes they handed out but like there were millions of people trying to buy tickets ticketmaster said there were twice as many people attempting to get tickets as were available to give you an idea like for the whole 52 location tour that's coming up um, so the site crashed, wait times stretched into the hours, and then it didn't work because resale sites also got a hold of some tickets and began offering them for tens of thousands of dollars, like tickets for her show in New Jersey listed at $21,600 each on StubHub. If you want to go be on the floor in Glendale, Arizona, that'll be 17 grand. If you want to be on the floor in Atlanta, 35 grand, just to give you an idea of the markups that are happening because people did get their hands on these tickets to resell them. So Ticketmaster initially had people, they said, here's your code. Some people didn't get their code. Some people got an email from like the Taylor Swift nation being like, you've received a boost, which we don't know what that boost was, if that was like a boost in line. A lot of people who got the boost didn't get the code. So, and some people who got the code and the boost still didn't get tickets. Like it was a mess. And some people who didn't get the boost or the code got tickets. 
make it make sense. Okay. So they had people log in 30 minutes before the sale was supposed to open. So the, the site just started immediately crashing for people with more than like 5,000 crashes and outages reported. Um, and they were, and people were placed in a queue, which some had low numbers. And then some just had this screen, which just said 2000 plus people ahead of you with this like maddening purple and blue progress bar showing how close they were getting to be able to buy tickets. One guy while sitting in the queue, waiting to get the tickets created a Chrome extension using the code on the website so that he could actually see where he was in line and then he released that chrome extension so he was sitting and this was the screen he had but then it was like a little extension that said you are number like thirteen thousand in line um it was a mess it was an absolute chaos chaos and because of how chaotic it was this got the attention of lawmakers who are now, once again, questioning the legitimacy of Ticketmaster's monopoly on the event ticket space, not to mention their absolutely abhorrent fees that they add on top of every ticket that sometimes leads to it being like twice as much as it was originally. AOC tweeted, saying daily reminder that Ticketmaster is monopoly, saying that their merger in 2010 with Live Nation should have never happened, and calling to break them up. Earlier this month, Biden tweeted, like before this all happened, Biden tweeted about hidden junk fees on concert tickets, but didn't mention Ticketmaster by name. Was that in this article? Hmm. Maybe not. Oh, yeah, this was the guy that made the Chrome extension. So you could actually see your place in line. And, uh, but yeah, to, uh, Biden was like, listen, there it is. I know hidden junk fees like processing fees on concert tickets are a pain. So like the, the people are talking about this. I personally want to know what concert tickets Biden is buying. Can you picture this guy at a concert? Maybe like the Philharmonic or something. Um, Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut also called for an investigation into the merger, saying it harms consumers. Um, however, this is getting a lot of attention now, but these calls are not new. This is not a new phenomenon. People are not just now being like, wait, is Ticketmaster bad? Are they operating a monopoly? This is not new at all. So I wanted to take a look at how the heck we even got here. Um, there is a coalition that's fighting against Ticketmaster that's been fighting called hashtag BreakUpTicketmaster. Go to BreakUpTicketmaster.com. It's a coalition of independent artists and consumer protection groups, including the American Economic Liberties Project. Okay, so here's how we got here. Prior to 2010, you had two separate companies, Live Nation and Ticketmaster. Prior to 2010, Ticketmaster had an 80% chokehold on the ticketing and the ticket selling market. Okay, and this said this monopoly quote, alleged monopoly. Let's not get sued here. Uh, there had been a push against it for, a, it's been in place for a while. And there has been, there had already been pushes against it prior to 2010, including by none other than 90s favorite Pearl Jam. In 1994. In 1994, Pearl Jam was pissed about the service fees that Ticketmaster was adding. 
um, which according to this Rolling Stone article from 1995, those fees, those Ticketmaster fees, ooh, they could get up to $18. Oh no, $18 in fees? Unbelievable. Okay, but also Pearl Jam tickets were going for $18 for the ticket itself. And that's for like the biggest rock act in the United States, which is equivalent to about $32 today. So it's clear, literally doubling the cost. This is also during an era when like big anti-establishment rock bands, because like grunge was the first time that these bands got like a lot of limelight, um, like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, R.E.M., Live. They were all like in this race to like stick it to the man to see who could charge the least for concert tickets. <laughs> Can you imagine the novelty? So like they were purposefully selling tickets for 18, 20 bucks to try to kind of undercut the the increase in prices that had become a trend um, and really stick it to the man. So this was another way that Pearl Jam was trying to stick it to the man. They were pissed about the service fees. Um, and even back in 1994, Ticketmaster had a monopoly on ticket sales and Pearl Jam, they had had enough. All right. They decided to try to do a world, not a world tour, a national tour without using Ticketmaster. Go to the venues that don't use Ticketmaster. Don't sell tickets through Ticketmaster. Do a whole tour without Ticketmaster in protest. The problem is that Ticketmaster had inked many exclusive deals with like most major concert venues. So that the only way an artist could book with the concert venue and actually be able to sell tickets so that people could come to the show is if those tickets were sold through Ticketmaster. And the way that this works is Ticketmaster wanted to ink these exclusive deals and in exchange they would pay these venues a solid like 20% of the, the tickets that they were selling while this venue didn't have to do a thing, they didn't have to have the infrastructure, they didn't have to have the technology, because at this point it was the 90s, and Ticketmaster had developed this, like, computerized telephone system. They didn't have to do any of that. They could lay off their ticket sales boys and close down the ticket booths, and Ticketmaster would take care of everything, and they'd get a 20% cut. And the way that Ticketmaster made that work is by adding fees on top of the price of the ticket. But it was attractive to a lot of venues. So a lot of venues signed on. Um, and because of that, if you wanted to do a national tour and go to venues big enough to hold people, then you had to go through Ticketmaster. And Pearl Jam attempted to book venues outside of the Ticketmaster bubble, but it was difficult. They were often in hard to get to locations or like in the middle of nowhere not equipped to handle the crowds that a Pearl Jam concert would bring in 1994. And there were some snafus and they had to call off the entire tour. Okay. The biggest rock band in the country couldn't make it work without using Ticketmaster in 1994. Okay. And then this Pearl Jam fiasco got so much press that the DOJ started investigating Ticketmaster for being a monopoly. Pearl Jam members actually testified before a congressional subcommittee on the issue. Eventually, a bill was introduced that would require ticket service fees to be listed on all ticket stubs individually, what they were for. But that bill was defeated because Ticketmaster 
hired some really high-powered lobbyists, which is always the case, isn't it? And then the DOJ continued their investigation. They investigated for over a year, at the end of which they concluded their investigation by issuing a two-sentence long statement and then was like, case closed, nothing to see here. No monopoly. No monopoly. So nothing became of it. While this is all happening, you've got Ticketmaster. You also have Live Nation. They are the largest concert promoter in the U.S. So they, so Ticketmaster sold the tickets to the venues. Live Nation organized artist tours, booked the venues, handled all aspects of the events. And Live Nation controlled a huge number of major concert venues throughout the country as well. And they also had an artist management business with 200 huge artists, including Miley Cyrus, Willie Nelson. Like they were like kind of cornering the market on booking artists, having artists on their roster and then booking those artists for tours. Okay. And so the two Ticketmaster Live Nation, they're copacetic for a long time. Ticketmaster sells the tickets, Live Nation organizes the, the bookings and the tours, easy. Then in 2007, Live Nation announced that it would be developing its own ticketing service to compete with Ticketmaster. And do you know what monopolies love to do? They love to buy up any threat of competition. And so that's what they did. When the merger was announced that Live Nation and Ticketmaster would merge back in 2008, nine. Chuck Schumer, who was in the Senate back then, attacked the deal, saying that it was going to create a monopoly. Musicians rallied against the merger, including Bruce Springsteen. Like Major musicians were like, this is bad. Major politicians were like, hey, this is bad. And then the DOJ kind of looked into it. And then the head of the DOJ antitrust division was like, eh, sorry, not my problem. And she approved the merger. They did sign a promise with the DOJ made DOJ made Ticketmaster and Live Nation pinky swear that they would be good. They wouldn't participate in monopolistic behaviors. They wouldn't retaliate against their competition. They had to pinky swear. They signed a little agreement, which the head of the antitrust division at the time called vigorous antitrust enforcement. Um, and these promises appeared it appears that these promises, uh, Ticketmaster uh, began violating immediately, immediately. And whatever protections that they had carved out in this agreement, this antitrust agreement, uh, these vigorous antitrust guidelines didn't work. Must have been useless because literally no one can compete with Ticketmaster. If the biggest rock band in the country couldn't do it in 94, they couldn't, they certainly couldn't do it post-merger in 2010. Okay. And then in 2019, an investigation found out what? Oh, what? Ticketmaster had been violating the consent decree that it signed in 2010 with the DOJ? No. What? That That's unbelievable. Can you believe it? So then the DOJ went back to court with Ticketmaster to be like, hey, now, Ticketmaster, you... Little rascal, you cut that out. You cut it out now. And then it added a few provisions to this consent decree that it had originally signed in 2010, including adding an investigator to monitor for potential violations of the cons consent decree. The problem 
though, is that if the consent decree is so weak that it doesn't foster even an ounce of competition, then having someone to make sure that Ticketmaster sticks to the decree doesn't really matter, does it? Because it's not working as written. Also, they added fines. So when Ticketmaster violates the decree, they have to pay a fine. But we all know that fines were created for poor people. Okay? A behemoth company with a monopoly over the market is going to chalk up any fines for violating this toothless consent decree as just the cost of doing business, and they're going to move on, and they're going to be fine. All right? So that's how it's been. They've been allowed to exist because the DOJ didn't do anything in 2010 or in 1994. Despite numerous lawsuits, none have gotten through to tear Ticketmaster apart. And even earlier this year, Senator Richard Blumenthal and Senator Amy Klobuchar, my senator, called for an evaluation of whether Ticketmaster was complying with the new consent decree that they signed in 2019, 2020. And Representative Bill Pascrell called for a breakup of the company. Okay? So, like, we have been screaming about how unethical and shady Ticketmaster is for almost 30 years at this point. Probably more than 30 years. I don't know what happened before 94, but I think probably if it was Pearl Jam at that point being willing to stand up against Ticketmaster, it'd probably been going on for a few years. So like 30 years, we've known that Ticketmaster has been engaging in what appear to be allegedly really sketchy anti-competitive behaviors. If it looks like a monopoly and it smells like a monopoly, probably a monopoly, right? Maybe better safe than sorry on this one, right? Okay, but what is a monopoly? Shall we look at the law? I think that we shall. So legislation against monopolies is meant to protect the consumer. The governmental body meant to protect consumers is the Federal Trade Commission, protecting America's consumers. Oh, they have a really handy article here called Monopolization Defined. This is from the government's own website. Hmm. Let's look. The antitrust laws prohibit conduct by a single firm that unreasonably restrains competition by creating or maintaining monopoly power. Most Section 2 claims involve the conduct of a firm with a leading market position, although Section 2 of the Sherman Act also bans attempts to monopolize and conspiracies to monopolize. As a first step, courts ask if the firm has monopoly power in any market. This requires in-depth study of the products sold by the leading firm and any alternative products consumers may turn to if the firm attempted to raise prices. Then courts ask if that leading position was gained or maintained through improper conduct, that is, something other than merely having a better product, superior management, or historic accident. Here, courts evaluate the anti-competitive effects of the conduct and its pro-competitive justification. So basically, this is saying, if they do have a huge market share, why? How did they get it? Was it because they're offering a better product and a better service and people naturally just went to them because they are the superior product on the market? Is there anything else that consumers could turn to if that person, if that entity raised its prices? 
Or was the company behaving in anti-competitive behaviors, buying up competitors, retaliating against people who don't use it, et cetera? Or is their market share just happenstance because people love it or there's no one else out there making something better? I would say, argue, based on people's experience on Tuesday and my experience generally that I've had with Ticketmaster and that I've heard other people have had just generally with Ticketmaster, uh, superiority, not a thing. Not a thing that Ticketmaster is bringing to the table. Maybe in 94, maybe they had the best computerized telephone service available in 94 for calling in and buying tickets. But in 2022, if you can't run a website that functions properly, when you know that millions of people are going to be attempting to use it, not offering a superior product. I get that that technical snafus happen and that it's hard to make sure that a, that a website stays up when there's tons and tons of traffic. But that does not say that does not mean anything because it just means that Ticketmaster is not offering a lovely experience, a superior product to what others could potentially offer. Subpar at best. Okay. Courts did not require a little a, courts do not require a literal monopoly before applying rules for single firm conduct. That term is used as shorthand for a firm with significant and durable market power. That is the long-term ability to raise price or exclude competitors. That is how that term is used here. A monopolist is a firm with significant and durable market power. Courts look at the firm's market share, but typically do not find monopoly power if the firm or group of firms acting in concert has less than 50% of the sales of a particular product or service within a certain geographic area. Some courts have required much higher percentages. In addition, that leading position must be sustainable over time. If competitive forces or the entry of new firms could discipline the conduct of the leading firm, courts are unlikely to find that the firm has lasting market power. Well, this has been going on for 30 years, and no one, not major rock bands, not the creation of new competitors, has ever been able to best the market share of Ticketmaster, which has remained steady at 70 to 80% for 30 years. Okay. All right. Then we got exclusionary conduct. Judging the conduct of an alleged monopolist requires an in-depth analysis of the market and the means used to achieve or maintain the monopoly. Obtaining a monopoly by superior products, innovation, or business acumen is legal. However, the same result achieved by exclusionary or predatory acts may raise antitrust concerns. Exclusionary or predatory acts may include such things as exclusive supply or purchase agreements, hmm. predatory pricing, or refusal to deal. These topics are discussed in separate fact sheets for single firm conduct. So you're telling me that if you've got a huge market share and it's not through your own superior innovation, but instead through acts like signing exclusive supplies or purchase agreements, predatory pricing, or refusal to deal with people who don't work with you, we could consider that monopolistic? predatory and antitrust concern interesting 
Finally, business justification. The monopolist may have a legitimate business justification for behaving in a way that prevents other firms from succeeding in the marketplace. For instance, the monopolist may be competing on the merits in a way that benefits consumers through greater efficiency or a unique set of products or services. We all know. We all know Ticketmaster's not doing that. In a way that benefits consumers? Uh-huh. So consumers have to pay a convenience fee for sitting online in a queue for six hours and then not getting a ticket. All right. Yep. Clearly they're benefiting consumers by not letting anyone come into the market and provide any other type of service. In the end, courts will decide whether the monopolist's success is due to the willful acquisition or maintenance of that power as distinguished from growth or development as a consequence of a superior product, business acumen, or historic accident. Not looking good. Not looking good. And then they have an example, the Microsoft case. Microsoft was found to have a monopoly over operating system, system software for IBM-compatible personal computers. They, they found that Microsoft illegally maintained its operating system's monopoly by including Internet Explorer with every copy of its Windows operating system software sold to computer makers and making it technically difficult not to use its browser or to use a non-Microsoft browser. That was found to be monopolistic. Internet Explorer. Is Internet Explorer a trash product? Absolutely. I don't know a single soul under 70 who uses Internet Explorer. Uh, so if this is monopolistic and it's one aspect of a larger business... And the entire function of Ticketmaster is to sell tickets and that's it. And they're doing so in a way that prevents others from being able to compete historically. And we have 30 years of evidence of this or buying up anyone who tries to compete. Would we not say this is monopolistic? Oh, and then we got the legal definition, a type of commercial advantage enjoyed by one business entity that lets it determine to a significant extent the terms on which products or services may be obtained in a given region. For example, monopoly would exist if a single supplier of gasoline in a state could significantly hike prices without serious competition. Well, here we have one of the hugest stars on the planet trying to book a tour, a world tour, this was the obvious choice for her to go. If it was bad in 94 for the largest rock band in the United States to be able to book a tour without Ticketmaster pre-merger, it's probably damn near impossible post-merger. And I would argue that artists are one side of the consumer that Ticketmaster works with. The other side being people trying to buy the tickets. People can't get their hands on the tickets anywhere other than Ticketmaster because the artists are forced to work with Ticketmaster. And so Ticketmaster gets to decide the price. And if they up the price significantly, there's very other little other recourse that anyone would have because they could go to the resale markets, which would then be even higher. This has been my legal analysis <laughs> on whether Ticketmaster is a monopoly. I say yes. 
I say there are the very least grounds for a DOJ investigation by someone who actually understands antitrust law and isn't swayed by like, I don't know, lobbyists, business interests, money. I don't know that that exists in Washington, but what a concept. Let me look at your comments. Mm, yeah, took us under took us under 10 minutes to figure this one out. Ooh, de facto versus de jure. Fancy words. Uh, I'm about to film videos today all about various legalese, and I will be going into de facto versus de jure. Um, let's see. How come monopoly rules don't apply? You know, I don't know. I assume it's because there's like the government is involved a lot of times. There are private utility companies, but a lot of times the government is involved and there's regulations and stuff. So they say, good enough. Good enough. Edge. Woof. That makes sense. A government agency. That's another thing. So behind on the tech, these government agencies. Let's see. The T <laughs> Internet Explorer. Uh, so convenient to spend hours just to access the site. Yeah. And I was reading the extent that people went to to rearrange their schedules in order to have the time to sit online to buy Taylor Swift tickets. Yikes. Yikes. Let's see. Yeah, only the rich deserve happiness. Oh, sorry, you can't afford a $17,000 floor seat in fucking Kansas or wherever that was. Too bad. It's almost like capitalism leads to greed that needs to be checked. It's almost like it doesn't, like unfettered capitalism doesn't work properly. Interesting. Interesting. What were you guys doing? I wasn't even looking. Okay, my sister says Ticketmaster has sucked for a while, and she was really cool in the 90s. She's still cool. Hi, Anne. Sorry. But she was really cool in the 90s, too. So she knows. She was there probably buying cool tickets. Yeah, so many, so many memories. So many memories you could have made. Though I will say, I do have a friend who got tickets to this Taylor Swift concert. She did have to sit 
for like four hours, four to six hours on the internet. Let's see. Hmm. See, it's sad. I was pure growing up, but I did get to see Aaron Carter, RIP. That was my first concert. I saw him at the grandstand, the Minnesota State Fair in like 2002. Sorry, I'm, I'm just catching up on all your goofy little, your goofy chats and comments here. Yeah, no capitalist enterprise is going to voluntarily seek less profit by not engaging in monopolistic behavior. Because that's what capitalism rewards. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I agree. A little financial clarity of decision over at the DOJ seems sketchy. Yeah, and I'm not sure. I was thinking this as I was talking. SeatGeek, people, I hit, I saw that people were able to get um, tickets on SeatGeek. Um, and I don't understand how SeatGeek functions. It just like shows you where the best tickets are, right? The only reason I know anything about SeatGeek is because uh, they work with Brittany Broski. They sponsor her videos. And so I listened to her talk about it before <laughs> her videos. Uh, it seems as though they just find the best prices, but I don't know. Wow, three days, Grace. What a throwback. You crazy kids in the back of the classroom. I was always the front of the classroom girl paying attention, following the rules. Sorry. Sorry. Ah, my chemical romance. I'm so mad that I missed them because they were also expensive. It was like 80 bucks for a nosebleed. I'm sorry. I'm not going to go sit in a nosebleed and watch you on a screen when I could sit in my couch and watch you on a screen. <sighs> Pure. Yeah, release the entire show on Netflix. Honestly, should we create some ticket selling competitors? Should we do that? Because then at least Ticketmaster would buy us and we'd probably make a pretty penny and could retire, right? Just kidding. Just kidding. Hmm. 
simple plan at a tiny venue. My gosh, Moira Fest. Do you guys hear her? She's doing gentle, gentle snores behind me right now. You might not be able to hear her. Also, speaking of Moira, we hit 90K yesterday on my main channel. Bow, 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 bow. 90K. We are just a stone's throw away from 100K and a pup cam. Okay. I also have some things in the works to announce when we hit 100K gonna just tease it okay there'll be some fun things might be a giveaway who's to say uh might be an announcement of a launch of something else who's to say who's to say well that's true i you know Taylor Swift would find a, found a nonprofit Ticketmaster competitor. Could you imagine a nonprofit? Woo! Woo! Hit me up, girl. Let's do it. That's right. You, you scallywags. You scallywags. Listen, there'll, there'll always be a space somewhere for the, the OGs, the little chats. I would like this. I would like it to pop off a little. All right. Don't deny me that. All right. You, you whip, you whippersnappers. Yeah, Twitch is very intimate. There's like 10 of you over there just really, really sticking it. And yeah, we got some, we got some good, we got some private chats over on the Patreon. Just saying, just saying. Okay. That's all I had for you today. I know there are other headlines. I didn't want to talk about them. I just wanted to talk about this. The only other major headline that is in my head right now is that the Republicans have officially taken the House but the Dems still have the Senate and the presidency, so who knows what's to come. And I don't have anything else to say about that. It's Thursday, which means it's almost the weekend. We've done it once again. We've made it through a week, you guys. Okay. Um... I got nothing to add. I'll be back on uh, Monday morning doing this live stream again. Yesterday, I released a new video. It's all about the Courtney Clenny trial, which is a gal who was an OnlyFans model who murdered her boyfriend. And it is a case that is very nuanced and layered. And I wanted to unwrap that onion, that stinking onion, and to discuss how it's complicated she's claiming self-defense there's a racial element there's a domestic violence element um there's a lot going on thank you if you've already watched next week my video wednesday we'll be talking about the danny masterson case and scientology 
should be interesting. Uh, so we got a couple, a couple true crime type videos here. Um, and then on Monday I'll be back right here doing a live stream, hanging out. Yes, you can support this channel by joining me over on Patreon. It's linked below. Or if nothing else, give this video a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button if you've been lurking for a while and you haven't subscribed. The thumbs up really helps the algorithm. Share it. Share it on your socials. Put it on your Twitter. Tweet it out to Elon Musk. And tell him about it. Um, buy some merch if you want. That's also linked below. That's all I got. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for being my fun little chatty group. It's been so nice to catch up. And we'll talk again on Monday, all right? Okay, have a good weekend. Bye-bye.